Part six of Coniston Tales by W. G. Collingwood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Miracle of St. Cuthbert, about 680 A.D. There is neither history nor legend of St. Cuthbert at Coniston. The whole story is a might have been, but there is nothing in it that might not have been, and Reginald of Durham might have written it somewhat as follows. Hic incapit miraculum quod beatus Cuthbertus in Cuplandia est operatus. Of that holy man Cuthbert, pleasant and profitable it is to read, and though the pen refuses to set down all the journeyings he made, and the words he spoke, and the wonderful actions he performed, and many are perforce omitted from the tale of the reckoning, yet it is not ungrateful to add one other to the chapters of his life as it has been recounted to us by scribes of old time for whereas cuthbert was made bishop over the land of the cumbrians after that king edgefrith had subdued them to his arms it so happened that the pious monarch impelled by divine desires gave into the hand of the holy man all that country which is called cartmel with such britons as dwelt therein to hold in his free possession for aliment and for comfort in his many journeyings when the office and work of his ministry called him hither and thither. Now being at the city of Carlisle, it was borne in upon him to visit this new possession, and to set it in order spiritually, no less than temporally, and on the way to confirm the churches, exhorting the faithful, rousing the sluggards, and compelling all to the faithful following of their high calling. Therefore, setting forth with those who never were absent from him, night or day, he passed through the wood of the English until he came to the mountains, where, on an island in a remote lake, dwelt his dear friend Herbert in Hermitage. Having visited him and held communion with him, the holy man took his way fearless through the valleys of the rugged hills and untenanted rocks, by a path nigh obliterated of ancient times, going ever southward through the forest of Coupland, for by this road his guides, the shepherds of the mountains assured him he might the soonest come into Cartmel, and traversing a great valley, and thereafter hills of no small terror and difficulty, he came at last to a hidden place among lofty rocks, where, beside a lake of water, copper is digged in the bowels of the earth, and because this working of metals belongs by right to the king, and is done at his command under officers appointed by him, the place is named Kuningastun, that is, the town or village of the king. In this place, among rude people of the mines, and certain Welsh who tended a few sheep and goats upon the greener pastures of the desert hills, there was a church in those days, of no great size or beauty, being but the inartificial building of the priest who tenanted it. For he was an Irishman, and one of that sect and heresy, with which even the blessed Cuthbert himself being infect in his extreme youth and ignorance, did afterwards forsake, and, under the guidance of holy church, combat and overcome, and utterly extirpate from all the territory of the English. It was but some five-and-twenty years before that Bega the Abbas had built the house of nuns on the promontory that by the British is called Baruth, that is, the Red Headland, being come over from Ireland with her following to spread the gospel in these deserts nor is she that beggar of Hackness, of whom Bede makes mention, as some do vainly imagine, but another who from her house of St. Bees, as the folk of the place call it, 
sent forth one and another into the mountains to shepherd the flock of the lord and to lead wild goats of the hills as lambs to the fold yet even so her followers were uninstructed in the truth as it is taught to us baptizing with but one immersion and shaving the hair across the forehead as the irish used and keeping the paschal feast with vitiated calendar at uncanonical time and season though earnest withal in their manner and learned in the scriptures and holy arts this poor man then being come through the wilds to the aforesaid place built there his cell of wattle and daubing as some maintain though others will have it of stones plucked from the rough ground and rudely piled together in the form of a round hut no fitting temple but such as he had ability to raise at the ford where the track through the forest passed over the brook flowing down from the copper mines into the marshland which lies wet and slimy between the foot of the crags and the water of the lake hard by were the cots of the miners and supereminent above them the house of the reeve set over them by the king these folk the priest had in some measure induced to outward semblance of respect to holy days and the services of the church but by long continuance amongst them and partaking of their uncivil ways not being under obedience to canonical commands he had as it were fallen asleep with none to awaken him and so when cuthbert the holy man hungered and weary with much travel approached he beheld this poor man sitting thus at the door of the cell that was his church bearded unseemly and unbefittingly attired while through rents in the walls things sacred were revealed to eyes profane and the unthatched roof let in the droppings of birds who nested thereupon to fall over the very altar which seeing cuthbert was moved to anger and compassion saying o dog of the lord why slumberest thou art thou then indeed one of those dumb dogs of whom it is written that they cannot bark arise and let thy voice be heard call thy flock together for the morrow that i may salve them and this being spoken in the tongue of the irish which cuthbert knew right well roused the poor man who blinked upon him and brought forth his bell which was as it were an iron pot with a stone hanging therein by a rope of bark and he began to rattle it but none answered for it was of a saturday at evening and all were in like manner ensnared with carnal feasting and sodden with ale then the blessed cuthbert sighed in spirit and went from house to house seeking for himself and his men where to lay their heads but none received him for even the reeve said churlishly that he would have naught to do with strangers be they who they might so they came to the last cots in the village and there was a very mean house and a poor widow sitting at the door of it who seeing the man of god rose up and made obeisance now cuthbert was tall of stature of a long face and ruddy but meagre with fasting and yet of a countenance most benign and shining as the sun and his eyes were as bright as stars and the thick brows that hung over them grey and bushy and the bones of his brows were great and stood forward under the sloping field of his forehead upon his head he wore a lofty mitre glistening with crystal and in his hand was the pastoral staff set with many pearls and upon his robes were orphreys embroidered with thread of gold seeing this poor widow he blessed her and her house 
and she bade him enter, for that such as she had was at his service. Within the house, which was rudely framed of wattled boughs and thatched with broom, there was scant space for that company even to stand, and one of the disciples plucked the bishop by the sleeve, bidding him in a whisper beware of the foulness and contamination of so mean a dwelling. But Cuthbert smiled, and penetrating the darkness with his keen glance, beheld upon a bed of heather in the corner two children lying, the one a lad of tender years, and the other a babe. Their mother prayed him to forgive their incapacity, for, said she, the lad has lamed himself in the mines where his father was killed a year ago, and the babe is sick, and there is no one can heal it. Now of all men whose name has come to our understanding, this holy Cuthbert was most like to our Lord and Saviour in this, that he loved little children, and was good to them, and none of his company wondered when he sat down, and taking the babe in his arms, kissed it and blessed it, and it looked up to him and laughed, and in that hour the sickness was abated. And then he did in like manner to the lad, touching him and stroking his hurt, so that in a little while the pain went out of his limbs, and he stood up and was utterly healed. Then came running the daughter of the woman with a vessel in her hand, and it was empty, for she had gone to find milk for the children, but none would give to her, and so she returned weeping. But Cuthbert laid his hand on her head, and blessed her, and bade her go to the well and draw water. And lo, when she poured, it was sweet as milk to the taste, and as new milk with the cream therein. So that this well was reckoned a holy well, after that Cuthbert had done this miracle. And sitting down, some in the house and some at the door, the men drew from their wallets the crust that remained, and they supped together, they and their hosts, and never was merrier supper nor better fare when the holy man had blessed it. Now when morning was come, the noise of these doings had gone forth, and a great company was awaiting the bishop, of these who overnight had despised and rejected him. First he went to the little church, and there did service in right order. Then, standing in the door, he spoke to the people with that eloquence and divine persuasiveness which many a time softened stony hearts in the recesses of Lodonian hills, and overawed the proud in the halls of Northumbrian lords and wealthy men, and the satraps of the king. And when he had done speaking, they all with one consent lifted up their voices, these kneeling to him, and those lifting up rough hands to heaven, as if moved by I know not what heavenly inspiration, some brought wood and timber, others axes and saws, yea, even the children plucked broom for roofing, and in an incredibly brief space of time, the reeve leading the way, and labouring among them, having laid aside his cloak and trappings of dignity, the posts of a new and greater edifice were sunk in the earth, and the frame, as it were, of a fair church and house of assembly, for all them of the village, was marked out. For a while the priest stood by as one bewildered, and then in faltering words, "'What do ye, my brethren?' he cried. "'And ye Romans, in this labour on the Lord's day, in which it is not lawful to do any manner of work!' But the blessed Cuthbert looked smilingly upon him, saying, "'Rebuke them not!' for the sabbath was made for man, and not man for the sabbath. This is a work of mercy, and of necessity. It is a gladness, and no labour to build the Lord's house on the Lord's day. 
and with that the priest himself, as if smitten with the contagion of fervour, threw down his encumbering garment at the bishop's feet, and fell to hailing and dragging of timber, until the sweat dripped from his temples. So cheerfully they wrought, that by sunset the new house was roofed, and if not wholly finished, nor a work of perfect architecture, still serviceable and ready to be consecrated, the which was done before the blessed Cuthbert took his ways, and went on his journey to the region of Cartmel. Now this is accounted the greatest miracle which St. Cuthbert did in the land, for to heal the sick is a great work, and to turn water into wine is a wonderful thing. But no man, by human wit and science alone, could impart to sordid souls the greatest of all spiritual gifts, as then, when by divine grace and the working of heavenly might, he made churls charitable. End of part six.